guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Like for a turn to Revelation chapter 7, you say, Pastor, it's Christmas. Uh, 17. No, we're not going to go with 7. We're going to 7. Hey, you know, you say, Pastor, you know, we're at Christmas. So what are you doing in Revelation? About halfway through the message today, I think you'll begin to see. You know, we have already looked at the fact that Jesus came the first time on a lowly donkey and in silence and to be executed. But when he comes a second time, he's going to come on a great white charger, not to be executed, but to execute judgment. And as we turn to Revelation chapter 7, this is the first interlude in the book of Revelation. And in this interlude, there's a pause in the action in order that God can reveal something to us. So before the seventh seal is opened, which is going to unleash the seven trumpets. There's an interlude. And in that interlude, God is wanting to show us something before these trumpet judgments are opened up. And the horrible judgments that we just went through last week and looking at in, in chapter 6, we're going to give way here to an interlude. Now, what's important for us to understand is, you know, do you realize that last week we were talking about the army and the war that's going to take place and how Ezekiel 38 where Russia comes down and with the, the allies of the Arabs to take a war and we mentioned Gomer which was Ukraine and do you see what's happening along the border of Ukraine guys I don't think we're very far removed from seeing these seals begin to be opened but before the seventh one is open, God gives us this interlude. And the horrible question in chapter 6 is this, who will survive? Who's able to stand? And the answer to that question comes here in the seventh chapter. And it clearly tells us that God's going to provide an opportunity for those yet to receive Jesus Christ during the tribulation. And he promised that to us in Matthew 24. He says in Matthew 24 that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world and then the end will come. So, so far in our study, we've only opened up six seals. Before that seventh one is open and we get to the next set of trumpets, God wants us to see those who are going to be able to stand, those who are going to survive the tribulation. Let's bow together. All heaven rejoiced that a lamb stood and took the scroll from the hand of God the Father in order to bring forth the judgments, in order to bring forth the second coming of Christ. And just as Jesus had to go through the, through the garden and the cross, Gethsemane, all of these things before there is resurrection, so there will be a time of great tribulation 
before the second coming of Christ and he establishes his kingdom here upon the earth. So Father, I would ask that you would open up this seventh chapter to us and give us insight from it. And we'd give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to follow along, the first thing we want to look at is this interlude. And the first thing we want to look at here is verses 1 to 3 of chapter 7. After these saints, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on the tree. Now, the reason that's important, because when you get to the trumpets, the trumpets affect all three of those saints, the earth, the sea, and the trees. So before any damage is done to any of those things, this is what you see. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So we see this interlude. And at this interlude, we see four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, north, south, east, and west, holding back the winds that they will not blow, but they're ready to release the next judgments of God. So the next thing we see is this angel with the seal of the living God who comes and interrupts these four angels and he tells them not to bring any harm to the earth or to the sea or to the trees until these men are sealed with the seal of the living God. Now we see the purpose of the seal in verse 3. It tells us that when that angel comes, He's bringing the seal of the living God. What is that seal? In order to seal the servants of God on their foreheads, in order to do service for God, and no one, we're going to see a little later, no one will be able to harm them or kill them. In fact, they're the only ones who are sealed to go through the tribulation without being martyred for sure. So the meaning of the word sealed here, it means like a stamp of a signet ring. Whose ring? God's seal. It means a mark for security or preservation to seal it up. Now I just want to ask a question. If you believe all the Christians are going to be raptured out before the tribulation, where do these Christians come from? Who witnesses to them? There are no Christians here to witness to them. Unless somehow they hear the gospel, have not responded to it, and as soon as the rapture takes place, and as soon as the tribulation, the seals start, then they come to faith in Christ. So where do they come from? Who are they? You notice that they're Jews, 144,000 of them. So let's go take a look at the second thing, and the second thing in the interlude. The first, there's an angel coming. He's going to seal up some people who are going to be able to live through the tribulation. Now let's go look at the sealing of these 144,000 Jews, starting at verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 
of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. See, what's the purpose of the tribulation is to bring Israel to respond to the Messiah they had rejected. That's the whole purpose of it. So they too, because see, this is the time of the Gentiles. And we're going to see a verse of scripture later on. When that time has ended, God is going to try to draw his people once again. So the sealing of 144,000 is very important to the Jewish people. Now notice this. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Iskar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. So the number who they are is found in verse 4. There's 144,000. They are Jews. And if you get down to verse 5, you see that these Jews come from the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from every tribe. You ask a Jew today, they don't know what tribe they belong to. They don't even know. So it's interesting, 12,000 from each tribe. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh. Simeon, Levi, Iskar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now notice that the tribe of Dam is admitted, and Manasseh is put in its place, probably because of the extracurricular idolatry of this nation, or maybe because of the Benjamite wars. And you can trace that through, we don't have time today, Leviticus 24, Judges 18, 1 Kings chapter 12. But I want you to notice their service. These Jews are protected to go through tribulation to serve God. Now most scholars think they're going to be the evangelists. They're going to be the ones sharing the gospel during the tribulation period. But as we're going to see later on, it's not just Jews that are coming to faith in Christ. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is going to come to faith in Christ during the tribulation. We'll take a look at that a little later on. But right now, today, the Jews are experiencing a, a spiritual blindness towards Jesus Christ, and God's allowing that. Because of their rejection of the Messiah, God has allowed a spiritual blindness to come upon the Jewish people, an inability to comprehend the simple truths about Jesus Christ. And an easy way to remember God's dealing with Israel is to just to go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. In chapter 9, you see that they were elected by God to be his chosen people. In chapter 10, you see their rejection of him as the Messiah, his rejection of them. And then in chapter 11, you see their restoration. So if you want to trace that through, just go to, to Romans 9, 10, and 11. But the Jew is blind today, but not forever. Because Romans chapter 11, verse 25 says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the mystery, lest you should become wise in your own eyes. Listen to this next statement. That the partial blinding has come until Israel to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles is complete. So God is deliberately allowing a spiritual blindness to come, but see, those blinders are going to be taken off with these 144,000 Jews. Now, if you go over to Revelation chapter 14 with me for a minute, you see these 144,000 again. And here you're going to see them at the, at the, towards the end of the tribulation, and they stand before God. And the reason I want to go there is because I want you to see the characteristics of these, these men. Chapter 14, verse 1, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Now where's Mount Zion? 
Huh? It's two places. It's either where Jerusalem is, or it can be a description of heaven. And 144,000 have in their father's seals written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of his loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpers playing their harps. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed, taken out of the earth. I want you to hang on to that. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits of God to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now notice that these are all men. Also notice that they'd not been defiled by, uh, by any woman. They kept themselves chaste. They follow Christ wherever he leads them to go during that tribulation period. And they're described as the first fruits among those to the Lamb during the tribulation. And no lie is found in their mouth. And they're blameless before God. So these are obviously the first converts of the tribulation period of the Jewish people who are going to be able to win the Jewish people and others. Because I want us to go to the most important part of this chapter to me. And that is the multitude of Gentiles. Now, get in your mind what we've already seen. In chapter 4, we saw the sea of glass, and that represented the believers before the tribulation. Then when we got to chapter 5 and 6, we saw the souls of those under the altar. And those were the ones who had been martyred during the tribulation. And they wanted to know how long are they going to be there. And God says, until other brothers and sisters like you have been killed as you. So we have some who are on the sea of glass. We have some who are under the altar, the place of sacrifice. Then we have the 144,000 who are sealed to not die during the tribulation. We see them in the 14th chapter standing before God on Mount Zion. But now look at another group here. Let's begin with verse 9. Are you with me so far? Let's look at verse 9. After these saints, after the sealing of the 144,000, before the next trumpets are going to sound, I looked and behold a great multitude of which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Are these just Jews? No. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with a white robe and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures which we've already identified. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Who are these people? Let's go see. Then one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And he said to me, Sir, you know. 
So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of what? Great tribulation. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore or thirst anymore. I'm going to tell you why that's important. The sun shall not strike them nor the heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains or the fountains of waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These are new converts. Despite the persecution, despite the things that are going on in tribulation, these believers come from every ethnic group on the face of the earth. And they respond to the gospel. And we see them standing before the throne of God. This answers the question that we saw in Revelation chapter 6, 17. Who will escape God's judgment? Who will survive? Now, do you remember when we looked at the pale horse? What followed the pale horse? Who was his companion? Hell followed with him. Now pay close attention to that. Because the destination of believers is not hell. To be absent from the body is to be where? In the presence of the Lord. Before tribulation, the sea of glass. During the seals, those under the altar. 144,000 are not going to be part of those under the altar because they're, they're going to live. But other Christians are going to die during the tribulation. And they're going to join, as John said, others are going to join you in this. And it says they came out of great tribulation. And it says they overcame Satan, they overcame the Antichrist with the word of their testimony. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're one of the 144,000 Jews, you don't worry about it. You're going to be sealed. If you're not and you come to faith during the tribulation, do you understand you're going to be hunted down by the Antichrist? And it says that he has the power to overcome you. And the only way you're ever going to overcome that is by the word of your testimony and by the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take a look at this. Because I believe this is the most remarkable thing of Revelation chapter 7 here. Even while God is going to be justified in punishing the earth for a rejection of who he is, he's still going to give an opportunity for people to come to know Christ. Now I want to have you ask another question. See, I don't believe this is a second chance. Listen to me. I believe this is the last opportunity we have here. Again, if you believe that all the Christians are taken out before the tribulation, first of all, where do these 144,000 come from? 
Then you have a second question. Why accept Christ now? I'm going to be given another chance. Why do I have to accept him before the rapture? Why do I have to accept him until I see the seals or until I see this hundred? Why? I can wait till then. See, that's a gospel of a second chance. And I don't think this is the gospel of a second chance. I think this is the gospel of the last opportunity to respond during the tribulation period. I don't care where your view is. I don't care if you're pre-post or, or where you're at. You have to ask these questions. Now, now look at this very carefully. Remember the pale horse that I just talked about and we talked about last week? Hell follows him. If you're a believer and you accept Christ either before the tribulation starts, after the tribulation, it doesn't matter. Your destiny is not hell. Your destiny is into the presence of God. And you're going to join this group of people if you're during the tribulation. If you die before the tribulation, you'll be on the sea of glass. Don't worry about it. You following what I'm saying? I hope I haven't confused anybody. But I want to tell you, if you are in the tribulation and you are a believer and you come to faith in Christ, you're going to pay a great price for your faith. And the price of your salvation, but the great reward also is found in verses 15 through 17 of chapter 5. Of chapter 7, excuse me. Now notice verse 16. Never again will they thirst or hunger. Now why is that important? Because I don't have to cook anymore. I like that answer from Kathy. How many of you women say amen to that? I don't have to cook anymore. Amen. Your men raise your hands too. That's pretty cool. You remember, in order to survive the tribulation, you have to take the mark of the beast to buy and to sell. Remember how we looked at this could be a time of great inflation and all of this stuff that we're beginning to even see happening today? See, there's going to be hunger there's going to be thirst. And he says, you know, here, you'll never thirst. You'll never be hungry again. Look at verse 17. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. You're going to be shepherded before the tribulation, during the tribulation, if you come to faith then, or if you enter it that way. You have a shepherd. Now, this is why you tie it into Christmas. See, Jesus didn't come for the purpose to live. He came for the purpose to die. Because he looked forward to these events. And whoever has him has life. 1 John 5, 11, 12, this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. So I want to bring this down to conclusion today. And the conclusion comes to this question. What about you? Have you responded to Christ's invitation of salvation? If not, why not? Now is the day of salvation. Now is to make the time 
Now is to make that decision. Now, most of you here are in the second group that you've already come to faith in Jesus Christ. And whether you believe you're going to be raptured out or whether you believe you're going to go through the tribulation, it doesn't matter to me. But I tell you what does matter. You are to be like these 144,000 Jewish evangelists. We are God's agent to bring in the gospel to the world. I want to tell you a secret, folks. God has no other plan. You are his plan. And it says, if you have the great commandment, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then it's going to lead you to then carry out the commission, which is go and make disciples. See, you were born again to reproduce. How are we doing? Let's thank God this morning for his amazing grace, amen? But let's thank God that we're his redemptive plan for the world. Remember the famous statement by a president by the name of Reagan? We're only one generation removed from losing our freedoms. We're only one generation removed from losing our Christian faith. If just one generation fails to give to the next generation the truth of the gospel, it is gone. And we know there's going to be a great falling away of faith. Now notice this. If this is true, then don't you think it's time to put a little bit of work to our faith while we still have time to do it? Not to save ourselves, but to save others. Remember about the person who went and hid their talent into the ground? When Jesus said, go and reproduce it? And he went and dug it up. And he says, man, I knew you were going to be a just God. Here's what you gave me. That's like us saying, God, you saved me. I saved myself. Here I am. Oh, but pastor, this is Christmas. What did Jesus come to do? Aren't you glad he didn't stay in heaven? Aren't you glad he came and sacrificed his life to give to you so that you might have eternal life? I want to conclude with this today. See, either you are a salt lick or you're a salt shaker. Now, salt lick stays stationary. How many of you have ever put out salt lick for cattle or anything like that? You know what I'm talking about. The cattle have got to come to the salt lick. They've got to come to the church to get saved. They've got, they, they got to come to you. Now, rather than being a salt lick, how about being a salt shaker? Because Jesus says, you are the salt of the world, and all he asks you to do is to shake the salt out wherever you go, wherever you walk and live. That doesn't mean you're going to lead everyone to Christ, but it means do you bear testimony? Because see, they overcame the Antichrist by the word of God 
and by the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. Let's pray. Oh, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come to earth. It's coming. You will be done on earth. It's coming as it is in heaven. Give us this day our simple daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not serving ourselves, but serving others. Thank you, God. We are your plan. We are your salt. You've entrusted that to us. So Lord, as we next week just have a Christmas service and there's going to bring us a message around Christmas. As we come to our Christmas Eve service and, and we ask some very important things about guidance and so forth in our life. As we take that communion, as we light those candles, Father, bring us back into the new year. Ready to keep looking at the final writing of history. We know the end. We don't know all the details. But thank you, Lord, that you didn't just come as a baby in a manger. But you're going to come and set your feet upon the Mount of Olives and establish your kingdom and it will be forever and ever and ever. And you'll wipe away every tear, every pain. And I want to thank you for our dear brothers who entered into your presence this week. We thank you for Bud Frisney and his life and his testimony. How he lived in Tabernash, how he pastored in Wellington, pastored up Cold Creek Canyon and far I think of Horizons Church. I think of Steve. My dear brother. Who's with Sandy now. I will miss him. He's the one who called me to see if I'd even come here as pastor when I turned him down he stayed with me <laughs> Father our life is a very precious thing we have no guarantee of tomorrow now today we live for you now today we surrender to you if anyone does not know you may they come to receive you as their savior while there's still time so father thank you 
thank you that we can continue to worship you today and sing these great Christmas carols with such the beautiful meanings. But because of all of this, we can face tomorrow for we know who holds the future. And that one holds my hand. In Jesus' name, amen.